Ah, hello everybody. This is Paul Perdue, your host, and I'm talking from a very sunny day, but it's really very cold day. And of course, Matt, the producer here, is doing this diddly eye music again. And before we just get started, this is Talking Antiques, and uh, I'm glad to have all you people listening. And I, one thing I'd like to just say before I get started, I'd like to thank everybody that has either messaged me on Facebook and on my Talking Antiques page and messaged me and sort of said uh, we enjoyed the show. Somebody down from the Outer Banks even said it. Now, I was shocked. and uh, But it it is good and the encouragement allows me to keep going on and uh, and of course i also need the encouragement from my sponsor and the sponsor for the show is village antiques and if you're down in biltmore village they're at 755 biltmore avenue and why don't you go in and talk to david and terry and ask them you know what do they have on on offer do they have any bargains tell them that the irishman said that that they should have a few bargains, seeing that you listen to me, and thank them for you know su- supporting my show, and I hope that you will support them. So go down to Village Antiques, which is sort of like a little diamond in the rough. When you look at it from the outside, you don't think much, but when you go inside, it's sort of like going back in time. You're looking at uh, American furniture. You're looking at uh, North Italian furniture. You're looking at French furniture, French country, and of course. My favourite, I like French, but I do really like English and Irish furniture. And they tend to have a little bit of that, and they have gold, silver, and they have paintings, and flatware, and you name it, they have something. And if you just want to buy something for a gift for your beloved, or whether you're doing something for a wedding, or whether you're wanting to put something into your new house, or whether you want to fund and rebuild and do your whole house in antiques, Go to Biltmore Ant- uh, Village Antiques on Biltmore Avenue and they will gladly help you. David is a very nice guy and Terry, once you get to know Terry, he's fun too. So please do that and you're listening to this show which will be is on Independent Actual Radio and it's on 1350 WZGM and I thank you all for tuning in and listening. So my producer Matt is here. How are you today, Matt? I'm doing very well, thank you, Paul. Now, did Matt, this is the second time Matt has produced me, so he's really trying his very best to, to hold on to this job. Well, you know what it is, actually. I lived in England for two years. I never heard an Irish accent, so I'm making up for the two years I lived on the Isles. Wow. I never got to hear an Irish accent. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and a lot of people seem to think that if you live in England, you've lived in Ireland. No, <laughs> you no. don't. <laughs> in fact, when I lived there, you couldn't travel to Ireland from England. Well, well, that was because you were uh, in in a, in a particular profession that wouldn't allow you to do that. But you know, at, of course, longest time. You didn't need to have a passport, but I was talking to my sister the other day, and she tells me, "Oh, I have to have my post passport to go to Ireland." And I said, "What?" You know, what are you talking about? I never had to have a passport because they had this agreement mm-hmm. that you could travel freely. But now with the way Europe is and all, you know, the euro and all of that, and of course England has its own currency. They don't want you to, you know, it's a different country. It's like a different planet. But it's all good fun. And today, like one of the, some of the things we'll be talking about today, you know, in, in the art of collecting and what we will be talking about and, and what I love is uh, Ryle Dalton, and that is from England. So it's sort of appropriate that we sort of hit England on on this 
Mark. And what, before I get into that, one of the other things that I really wanted to talk about, one of my favorite people, you know, more so one of the pivotal people that got me involved in, in, in antiques, because I could make furniture and I restored it. But one of the people that really got me involved in it was a man called Artin Eggers. And he had a show on, on BBC television called Going for a Song. And he had the book out. You might get it. It's called Going for a Song, English Furniture by Arton Eggers. But what's good about this book is he tells the story about working in his father's cabinet shop. And his father tried to chase him out of it because he couldn't hit a nail into a piece of wood. He was so bad. But where his gift was, being able to look at furniture, look at gold, silver and stuff, he had a knack for knowing something that was good. And that's how he got into it. And he was one of the premier antique dealers, one of the experts in England, and um, he's long dead now, but uh, I got the privilege of actually uh, seeing him live at uh, one time when I was in London, and uh, it, it was a privilege. I didn't get a chance to speak to him, but he had such a love for it that it made you want to be in love with the, with the art of collecting. So that's where we are today, and so let's get into the, the story a little bit about uh, Ral Dalton. And of course, while I was here, I showed Matt one or two pieces that I brought in. And of course, he, he liked them and he took some pictures of them. And, you know, they're just, they're just quite nice. And I have a book on Ral Dalton here, the, the uh, Guide to Ral Dalton. You can't get this particular book now, but it's a price guide and all the prices are out of, out, out of sync. But it's an English one. So the, let's get into the Royal Dalton story. It really began in, in the year 1850. And it was the same year as the Battle of Waterloo. And John Dalton was asked by Mary, or, well not Mary, Martha Jones, to join her small pottery on the bank of the River Thames in London. Martha, a widow, needed a business partner to join herself and her foreman, John Watts. John Dalton, already a talented potter and perfect for the job, invested his life savings of a hundred pounds into the business and the Dalton and Watts pottery was born. You imagine a hundred pounds, maybe about two hundred dollars now. Two hundred dollars your life saving. Like Arthur Guinness in Dublin in Ireland in the seventeen hundreds invested his life savings of one hundred pounds into making Guinness. That's where the one hundred pounds, and look at the fortune that they made out of the little little bit of black stuff, which we all, if you're Irish, you have had a little drop of it now and then. Of course, you're in competition with Murphy's down in Cork, but you know that's another story for another time. So the factory specialised in in manufacturing salt, glaze, and stoneware, ceramics. But before they really got into it, they were doing you know sewage pipes and 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 things for outside in, in salt glazed ware and um, they, they were also making stone jars, bottles and flasks. In 1935 Henry Dalton joined the firm and it flourished due to Henry's role in the sanitary revolution. Was basically he was the one that got into the revolution of sanitary when in England at that time in the mid 1800s they were learning to have a, you know, a lavatory in the house and have hot water, cold water, all of that. And, you know, to try and get London into the 19th century, which we're now into the 21st century. 
So, did, you know, the Pioneer, the general use of stoneware, drain pipes and water filters to improve living conditions. An innovator of his day, Henry came up with several ingenious ways to engineer and manufacture the pipes and other stoneware items that made Dalton and Watts world-class experts in the field. Their wares were exhibited in the Great Exhibition held in London, London's Hyde Park in 1851. In 1854, John Watts retired from the business and became known as Dalton and Company. The company became known. In 1860, the business diversified further after Henry was persuaded to work with pupils from the neighbouring Lambert School of Arts. His friend John Sparks, uh, his friend John Sparks, a move that would form the company as we know and love today. So we will continue this sort of like after the after the the, the little bit of a break. Ralph Dalton, more or less, uh, became famous today for its uh, figurines and its and its uh, Toby mugs and its uh, little tiny flasks and stuff and and uh, they were famous for all the little type of figurines and stuff that you come across. So we're listening to uh, this show on 1350 WZGM, Independent National Radio. And uh, we are hoping that you will come back to the other side of the show and we'll talk more about Ral Dilton. Thank you. Welcome back to uh, Talking Antiques. This is your host, Paul Perdue, and Matt is my executive producer here. And he's really trying to be on my good side now because he's, that's twice he's played the Irish music and he's really, really trying to, you know, get, get me tapping my foot, which I was tapping my foot there. And it's very, very hard to, if you're not Irish, you don't tap your foot, but if there's any Irish in you, you do. Did you tap? But but you are wearing green. I just want to point oh, out for the radio oh, listeners. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't even think of that. It's just second nature to me. I was looking me. for the pot of gold. <laughs> it's second nature to me to wear green. I, I, I think, actually, it was one year, Matt, uh, I was uh, I was at uh, St. Patrick's Day, you know, Paddy's Day, and I was in a pub in downtown Asheville. We won't name it, but they, they were all green beer, green food and everything. And the waitress came up and she said, You're, you ain't from around here, are you? And I said, no, I'm, I'm from Ireland. But why aren't you wearing green? And I said, well, I wear green 364 days in the year. Just one day I don't want to wear it. And it just happens to be this day. <laughs> so that's the way. So if you're just joining the show, and if you're looking at my Facebook page called Talking Antiques, you know, today I'm talking about the Ral Dalton, Ral Dalton Company. And we went through the beginnings of it, just basically when it started in 1850, during the time of the, the Battle of uh, Waterloo, I think it was. Um, yeah, the Battle of Waterloo. And that's a long, long time ago to, to be thinking back in time. And we were talking about the start of the company and how the company got started. And, uh, we were down to about, from 1850, we went all the way to about, uh, well, I think it was 1860, when the, 
we were talking about the Lambert School of Art. And with the Lambert School of Art, that was basically when the, you know, when the creativity of the Royal Dalton Company sort of uh, came up. And um, that's the company we know and love today because they don't, I don't think they do any stoneware pipes or salt glazed pipes now. It's all PVC and plastic, but I don't think they do that now. But they still make some beautiful little figurines and beautiful little art and craft type stuff. And it's well worth getting into. It's some of it can be very, very expensive to collect. But like everything else, you start off with what you like and you begin to build up and on. Go. So what, what we're going to do, we're going to um, just continue on with the story. And um, we, we will get to and see if anybody is paying attention. And they can go onto my Facebook page on Talking Antiques and tell me if they have anything or they can give any remarks about the show. And I would love to hear from you all because... That's the only way that I get any feedback and I know what I'm doing something good or what I'm doing something wrong. Well, let's get back to the talking about uh, Ryle Dilton. After, after John Sparks moved to, the, to form the company that we love today, what followed was a long and fruitful relationship resulting in the employment of many of the school's art graduates, including John Tinworth and ha- Hannah Barlow, the pieces they created at Dalton and Company were the most popular opposite the, the industrial pieces the firm had previously been known for. They were de- delicate modelling, bright coloured, exquisitely decorated and won hearts and souls all over the globe. And one of them hearts that they won was their uh, Alexander, Alexandria, Prince of Wales. When the Anglican St. Almond Church was built in Copenhagen, Denmark or Copenhagen, some people say, in 1887, Alexandra, the Prince of Wales, was one of the driving forces. Dilton, or Dalton donated and manufactured the altarpiece, the pulpit and uh, the, the, anf- uh, the, the font, where you put your hand in and bless yourself, whatever. They were executed in terracotta and glazed detailing uh, to the design of Tinworth. And Tinworth was really a great designer of pieces, and uh, his pieces with his name on it are very collectible. By this time, Dalton was popular for stoneware and ceramics under the artistic direction of John Slater, who worked with figurines, vases, character jugs like Toby jugs, and decorative pieces designed by the prolific Leslie Hardington. Dalton produced uh, products came to the attention of the royal family and in 1901 King Edward VII sold uh, the Berlin factory the royal warrant allowing the business to adopt new markings and a new name called Royal Dalton. The company added products during the first half of the 20th century while manufacturing fashionable and high-end and high-quality bone china which Leslie was talking about her mother had not so long ago. The headquarters building and factory of the Royal Dalton ceramic firm were in Lambert, which was on South Bank of the Thames. The Art Deco building was designed by T.P. Barnett. 
1939, uh, Gilbert Bale created the frieze that showed the history of pottery through the ages. The Lambert factory closed in 1956 due to air clean regulations in England, preventing urban production of salt glaze. Following close closure, works were transferred to the potteries and the factory building was demolished in 1978 and the, f- the freezes were transferred to the Victorian Albert Museum. And that's where you will see the, you know, the moulding of all the different parts of the work that was done. I had a question for you. Before yeah. we went on the air, Paul, um, you were you were showing off the pieces and everything to people, staff here at the yeah. station and everything, and you had made the comment, you said, yeah, these are famous now. Yeah. As you're going through this history, I can't help but wonder uh, if in Great Britain at the time when, when all this was going on, if it was a big, popular, collectible type thing it, that it, it is now. It, it, it was very popular. The figurines, that's what made them famous. They made their money with the salt glaze and the drain pipes and all of that. But because, uh, uh, you know, when one of the sons, the grandsons, got into the, the, the art school, the Lambert Art School, then he realised that his potters were creative. So what he did, he was one of the few people in the Victoria era that allowed his workers to do their own stuff. And nobody <laughs> before that, yeah, <laughs> nobody before that ever did that. And he allowed them to be creative and show their artistic um, skills. And he loved it. He was sort of really, really ahead of his time. He was sort of like that type of a person. And that's why it's very collectible today. And more so collectible because of the people that made it. You know, there were so many people that made the same type of figurines, but the persons that, f- like, uh, you know, Leslie Hardington, when she did any painting and stuff, that was collectible. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Tinworth, his stuff, his, his name is on it, that they want that. So certain pieces had certain values now, now they do, than they didn't have at that time. But because... The Royal family got involved with it, and they have a whole collection of 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 all the figurines. They get one every you know, new one that comes out. They get it, and it just turned out that you know now that the Victorian Albert Museum, which shows what's left of that building, of the history of the pottery of that area, which is great and is sad, but like the, the office building in Black Prince Road survives, and that uh, it has if you know the frieze of potters and Sir Henry Dalton over the original main entrance, executed by Tinworth. So it is really fascinating to, and it's a great, it's a, it's a great thing to collect. And you can collect by small amounts. As you've seen the little jugs, they're very hard to get. I managed to get them in, in Asheville. And, you, and you, one or two I got on eBay, and one or two I brought over from Ireland. So it's really very collectible. And I'd like to just sort of say, go to my Facebook page at Talking Antiques if you want to know more about it. And remember that you're listening to this on 1350 WZGM, Independent National Radio. And I really do hope and look forward to hearing your your comments. And I look forward to hearing you again for the next show, which might be on Clarence Cliff and Wedgwood and other things like cards and so forth. So I'm Looking forward to seeing you next time. Take care.